All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sims Gets It, episode four. You have me, Carrie Getz, along with my co-host, Sims. Um, Heel Sims. Heel Sims, yeah, yeah. If you guys are our followers on our Twitter, I think you might have uh, been noticing some new hashtags that we're throwing out. We got Heel Sims and, and Babyface Getz. So um, if you're ever curious of who's tweeting or live tweeting, just uh, that, that'll be a clear giveaway for you. Uh, we've been away from the game for a couple months now, so do apologize to our listeners uh, for being away for a while, but uh, some pretty important life stuff has happened over the past couple months. Um, happy to say that I got married in November, and it was really cool. So, um, Yeah, I was, I was there super single and super drunk. It was a great time. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a great time. Party of the year. Uh, Avoided any COVID issues, which was really, really great. A big blessing for us. So, we're um, looking to get back to it now. Um, kind of dropping the YouTube stick um, for now. And we're just going to be focusing on getting content out to you on a regular basis and, and recording these podcasts, hopefully, from a weekly perspective. Um, that's what we're hoping for. But to cover a few things, um, I do apologize in advance, but I'm probably going to do the Regal War Games probably 10 times during our conversation today just because I like it. And War Games. Our podcast. So, you know, got two words for you. Suck it, you know. True. Um, but we're going to spend some time. Sims and I are going to spend some time talking about the Wednesday Night War. Um, not much of a war, I don't, I don't think. And there for a while, they were – trading ratings back and forth, but AEW's been beating NXT pretty consistently now um, for the past couple months. Um, kind of sad to see as much um, as the advertisement that went into uh, this past episode from uh, Wednesday, December 2nd, that they didn't hit a million viewers this past week, which was kind of shitty, but it is what it is. They got close. It was like 953,000 953, or something like that, Sims. Do you recall? I know you made yeah, a lot of comments on it. It was right there around that. And as much as I bag on AEW on Twitter, it was, you know, they've kind of been kicking NXT's ass in the ratings department. Um, it's like when I texted you the other night, I used a comparison of the Steelers and the Browns. It's not a rivalry if it's one-sided, so – but then again, uh, the Monday Night Wars were pretty one-sided for a long time there, and uh, we see where WCW is now, so you never know. Yeah, so my, my big takeaway from it is, like, I, I'll be completely honest. I give my full attention to two shows right now. Um, I think it's a lot of wrestling to consume on a weekly basis, so I don't know about you, but that was really nice um, the last two months for us to take a nice, clean break from wrestling. It's easier to consume again, which Absolutely. I'm very grateful for. Um, and, but I pay attention to Dynamite and SmackDown. I'm sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. No, you're good. And um, I try my best to watch um, all four shows. Um, obviously, two of them are on at the same time, so I can't watch both live. But, uh, you know, with my work schedule, and sometimes it ends up being just NXT and Raw some weeks. But uh, I do my best to watch all four. And when I don't watch all four, I read pretty in depth the results and stuff like that. So, yeah, I agree. But yeah, I mean AEW, in comparison to the other WWE products that are being put out, 
I, I think AEW is the second best wrestling product right now out there. Um, I don't think that anybody can touch SmackDown right now, but that's just because of the big dog and some of the stuff that he's been able to do with his career over the last couple of months, which Sims and I are going to touch on a little bit later, but oh, we um, will touch on it. <laughs> sure. Uh, so I'm going to kick it off with a little bit of a recap um, for the December 2nd episode of Dynamite. Um, the show kicked off with a battle royal, over-the-top battle royal, for the Dynamite Diamond. Um, overall, it was a good battle royal. Um, one thing I did want to do, wanted to call out a performer that has been getting some pretty good TV time over the last couple of weeks. Um, he's John Silver of the Dark Order. He gives me – he's – He's a smaller performer, right? Which I can't say shit on 5'7", right? <laughs> so him and I are probably close to the same height, and that's okay. But the way he goes about his business in the ring gives me some, like, legit Dean Malenko, early Crispin Wall um, vibes. And I know Crispin Wall might be controversial to some of you that might be listening, and I do apologize. But I, I don't want to speak for Sims, but I, I don't think – we're going to be cutting him out of any content just because of what he did was, was awful. I do think he still um, has a place in wrestling history for what he did in the ring. Absolutely. Uh, there's, there's a lot of super uh, shitty characters in the history of any sport or really anything in general. Mm -hmm. History is just full of really shitty people. But I, I don't think you can really tell the story of WWE or wrestling in general without Chris Benoit. Yeah. Um, obviously what he did was not good at all. It was really bad, but at the same time, um, you know, his body of work, you can't discuss the history of wrestling without it. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a pretty good segue. Um, Sims and I would be remiss just to kind of get off topic, um, again, but I, I think Sims and I would be remiss this week if we did not mention the unfortunate uh, passing of WWE Hall of Famer, inaugural Intercontinental Champion, Pat Patterson. Um, kind of one of those things to where, won't really get into it, but has some pretty controversial history. Um, but, you know, great wrestling mind. A lot of wrestlers came forward and said that how much he meant to them uh, from a business perspective, just from a character perspective, always helping them kind of groom their characters coming up through the ranks. And of course, one of the really big characters of the Mr. McMahon character from the Attitude Era. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, I think a lot of fans our age uh, will remember him, you know, him and Gerald Briscoe being Vince McMahon's lackeys during most of the Attitude Era and catching a couple stunners here and there. Yeah, every time I see uh, Gerald Briscoe or Pat Patterson, I would always, like, in my head, I can hear JR saying, those damn stooges, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, his, with his paws. You got to be kidding me. Yeah. They stole it, King. They stole it. <laughs> and, then, and then they tried to uh, recreate that kind of vibe with uh, authority. Is it J&J Security, I think? Jamie Noble and um, – Joey Mercury. Joey Mercury. There it is. Yeah, which I don't know about you, man, but from the authority perspective and J&J security, some of the more entertaining moments from that era of wrestling for me. Absolutely. Really good. 
except for the back and forth bullshit that they had with Kane. I, I look yeah. back on that era with Daniel Bryan coming up and going over it really fondly. Some really good storytelling on their part. Absolutely. I remember when um, it was Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar, and they tried to give Brock Lesnar that Cadillac, and Brock just tore it to shreds and right. like, threw the door at them. That yeah. was good times. It was good. It was good. Um, but back to back to Dynamite from this past week, kind of the ending of the over the top of the rope battle royal. Um, MJF and Orange Cassidy were the last two standing, um, so they're going to face off next Wednesday for the AEW Dynamite Diamond Ring, uh, which we're pretty excited about. Um, honestly, though, I, I know with a lot of folks that are into AEW. Orange Cassidy is super over with a lot of you. I hate Orange Cassidy. I hate I hate his character. I hate the lack of days of goodness and how then all of a sudden he just flips the switch and but I will say this, whenever he starts to go, that dude can go. Um let the hate flow through you. <laughs> yeah, man. I just and I'm gonna tell you this, I'm excited for MJF. He's doing some really great work. If he's not AEW champion within the next year or so, I'll be very surprised. Um, is he an executive vice president? He is not. Uh, oh, to sorry. <laughs> Don't think that's happening then. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Well, neither was Mox, and he was champ for a year. So. Yeah, but yeah, it's different. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. MJF, to me, is, is a part of <laughs> – I tweeted this this past week watching Dynamite. You know, I think you'll respect this because whenever someone says core four, if you're a baseball fan, we talk about mm-hmm. the core four from the Yankees dynasty, early uh, 2000s, late 90s. Oh, a great comparison. Another thing that can't stand. Yeah, yeah. I thought you would <laughs> love that, man. But MJF is a part of that core four. I think if you throw in uh, Hangman Adam Page, which is my favorite right now in AEW, um, Darby Allen. MJF and then Sammy Guevara. I probably said that incorrectly, and I apologize. But yeah, I think that's I think that's how they say it on the broadcast. So. But um, yeah, man, I and that's something like you think about someone like Randy Orton and John Cena. Whenever they really like came up and pretty much put the company on their back for like fifteen years. Yeah, when they both got opportunities at young yeah. ages to be champion and be the top guys. So AEW really needs to pull the trigger on one of those guys. I know Darby is the TNT champion right now. Right. But um, they need to give one of those guys the opportunity to run with the strap just to see if they can do it. So they can – all those guys are under 30 years old. That's crazy. Which, from a wrestling perspective, to have the opportunity that they have is pretty incredible. So I, I hope that they de- – continue to develop correctly and, and giving them opportunities to be main event players. Because if they do it correctly, that could set AEW up for the next 15 years easily. And like you were saying with uh, Orton and Cena, they kind of had a core four thing going on right there too because Brock mm-hmm. Lesnar and Batista also broke in at the same time. And, you know. That's a great point. Yeah. Very good point. Batista. Batista went and did his thing in Hollywood and Brock Lesnar. I don't think I have to explain Brock Lesnar to anybody. Um, but, I mean, they, for the most part, those have been four of the biggest pillars in WWE since, like, 2003. So, 
you know, AEW could definitely have that happen with those four guys. Yeah, for sure. Sorry, I was looking up how old Darby Allen is. He was born in 1993, so he's a couple months older than me. So yeah. not quite, not quite thirty yet, which is pretty cool. He's younger than me, gee. <laughs> you know how old MJF is? He's like twenty-four. Yeah, twenty-four. You nailed it. That's yeah, impressive. That's, that's insane. So yeah, um, but kind of flowing, going more into AEW this past week. Um, another one of the singles matches that they put on was Jericho versus uh, Frankie Kazarian. Um, I just want to say this about Kaz. He's one of those guys. I, I know you don't have a whole lot of experience with TNA back in the day, Sims, which is cool. But as you guys know and our listeners know, I I was pretty big on TNA back in the day. Um, and Kaz, he's one of those guys that's been around for a long time but never seems to come up in conversation. I think that Kaz and his, like, longtime tag team partner, Christopher Daniels, um, I truly think that they're both just as good as AJ Styles in the ring. Um, but I think going back to the conversation that we were just talking about, AJ was one of those guys in TNA that got the opportunity to be a top guy at a young age. Right. And that's why now AJ is who AJ is, and he's dominated everywhere he's gone with Ring of Honor, with TNA, with New Japan, and then WWE. But that's Kaz, the world. Um, Christopher Daniels didn't really get that opportunity. but Right. And that's with any anything in life. It's all about opportunity sometimes. You know, talent itself isn't going to get you by most of the time. Right. Um, one of the interesting – oh, one last thing about Christopher Daniels that I wanted to mention. Um, one of Christopher Daniels' finishing moves is the BFM, which stands for the best fucking moonsault. Um, he kind of it, – it's very similar to what Lacey Evans does. She goes from that um, middle rope – to the top rope and then to the moonsault. Um, that's exactly what he's been doing for like the last 15 years. And I just want to say about Christopher Daniels' moonsault is probably the prettiest in pro wrestling right now, only rivaled by Kurt Angles whenever he used to do it. Just okay. want to kind of throw that out there. If you ever want to look up some YouTube clips of uh, CD's moonsault, it, it was fire. I will say this, despite my disdain for her, I would, you know, I'm not very familiar with Christopher Daniel, um, Daniels, um, so I'm not going to say it's better than his, but Charlotte Flair's moonsault is absolutely beautiful. And Io Shirai as well has a beautiful moonsault. Yeah, Io Shirai's is very good too. Speaking of Charlotte, can I, I don't know about you, but I think I'm ready for the queen to come back. I'm not. You're not? Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but uh, one of the things that they kicked off with at the end of that Jericho-Kazarian uh, match, MGF came out to uh, – Jericho was in some sort of submission. I can't remember off the top of my head. I think it was a Boston Crab or something. But MJF came out to, to act like he was going to throw a towel in for Jericho, uh, which Ooh. seemed to light the fire for a little bit of a storyline there. Uh, Sammy came out to – like, take the towel away from MJF. Like, what are you doing? He's fine, all this other crap. And then Jericho um, advertised for next week that they're going to have a conversation live on television if the inner circle is going to break up forever or if 
um, they're going to be able to get along and, and stuff like that. So interesting to see. Um, I think that's going to go with Sammy getting beat down by the inner circle. I think it's going to start his face turn. Yeah, um, 100%. I'm so excited to see what he can do as a face. I'm a big Sammy fan. So, yeah, and I think I think I, I just want to make this known to wrestling fans. I think people like you and I know this, but for maybe the casual fan or so for somebody that doesn't watch it as much as you and I do, I just want to take Roman Reigns and use it as an example. It is much easier to get over as a heel and to have people dislike you than it is to be a baby face and to have people like you. Yeah, that's just another life thing. <laughs> a true testament of Sammy's ability as a pro wrestler to, to see if he can get over his face. It is so much easier in, just in life in general to get somebody to hate you than it is to get them to like you. So Exactly. You're absolutely correct. So I'm really excited to see that. I, I hope he takes the ball and runs with it. And that's just kind of a prediction. Um, so definitely be turning, tuning in next week to see how that goes. But I'm, I'm hoping it's Sammy's time to, to be a good guy for a little bit. Um, next for AEW, we had Britt Baker. Uh, she defeated Layla Hirsch. Um, one thing I just want to kind of mention to women workers within pro wrestling, I have severe arm bar fatigue. <laughs> it seems like, and I get it. I, I understand how MMA and pro wrestling is forever going to be connected and things like that. That I, I get it. That's not my beef. There's so many other different types of submissions that you can use. Like bring back the Boston crab. Somebody use the ankle lock. Sharpshooter. Yeah, sharpshooter, cross base, camel clutch, like all mm -hmm. kinds of different submissions. You don't like not everybody has to use the arm bar, which in my opinion is from a professional wrestling perspective in kayfabe, it's probably the least like like it just doesn't make sense from pro wrestling. Like you know it's, that they're not gonna break your arm. Yeah, exactly. It's the least uh believable i would say because if you really have an arm bar sunk in for any amount of time that arm is gone it's done <laughs> i i agree 100 percent um but brick brit baker like i said she beat um layla hirsch which i was pretty impressed with layla she was she was given some pretty good throws and stuff like that in this match but um i think really the more interesting piece of this is that uh, Thunder Rosa. I don't know if you're familiar with who Thunder Rosa is, Sims, or not. Do you know who that is? Uh, I've seen some of her work. She is the NWA Women's Champion, right? I don't think she is any longer. I think oh, she, she was. That, I think she dropped that belt. Okay. I'm not sure, though. So she's with uh, AEW full-time now, then? Uh, it hasn't been announced yet. We haven't gotten that Thunder Rosa is all elite picture yet. Right, um, but she came out and she beat down Britt Baker after the match, because um, oh. they've been kind of going back and forth over the last couple weeks. Right. Um, I got to tell you this though, AEW really impressed me with their brawl sequence. It's the typical beat the hell out of each other in the middle of the ring. Referees and officials come to separate everybody. They let them go. Britt and Thunder, 
about three times they broke free and got it, got a piece of each other. It was really well done. Um, yeah, that I did. It, it, it was pretty good brawl sequence, but, um, one thing, one of my bigger gripes with AEW has been their women's division. Um, I just, they have the people, I just feel like they haven't put a focus on it. And I think one of the big things that's very important to building the women's division properly and WWE drops the ball on this regularly, uh, where I think NXT does very well with it, is secondary feuds for the women. Um, I mean, of course, there's going to be a championship feud for the women's title, but I feel like so often in wrestling, a secondary feud is neglected in the women's division, whereas in the men's division, you have feuds all the time that are for titles. So I really think you can show, you use that to show off the depth of your roster having multiple feuds in the women's division at once. And especially they have, um, what is it, AW Dark to utilize for stuff like that too. So, you know. Yeah, I agree with that perspective, but I think one of the reasons that they don't do that is their, their women's division just isn't deep enough. They've got some folks that have gotten screen time and things like that, but none of them – in my opinion, like, are that great. Britt Baker, in my opinion, is head and shoulders better than most of that roster. I agree. Um, yeah. I'm a big Britt Baker fan. But, yeah, I don't know. It, it seems like they're starting to fuse because they have Rio, which is their uh, women's champion right now mm. against um, Amadon or whatever her name is. So, I don't know. We'll look forward to seeing a secondary um, feud. Hopefully it works yeah. out. And hopefully it's not just a feud to be a feud and it's actually good and they actually allow them to have good matches and stuff too. Yeah. I do hope they start featuring Rio a little bit more because she, she's very good in the ring. Um, but I'm actually yeah. going to touch on the women's division stuff in a couple minutes whenever we get down to the finish of Kenny Omega and John Moxley. So, okay. Um, Next, we had Cody and Darby Allen went over Will Hobbs and Ricky Starks. Um, this has been brewing for a couple of weeks. They, they've been going back and forth. Cody and, and Darby have just been getting the shit kicked out of them by Team Taz, which is comprised of Brian Cage, uh, Will Hobbs, Ricky Starks, and then, of course, Taz. So um, they set the blow up mat or blow off match rather for Winter's Coming. This past Wednesday, it was a really good match back and forth. Um, I really like the little bit of detail with Will Hobbs because I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he kind of reminds me of a little like a taller, more jacked Apollo. He doesn't do the flippy shit, though. Right. Um, well, I guess then maybe a good comparison would be like a Big E, probably. Yeah, he's big. He's Jack, and he 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 has a real good mean streak to him. Pretty much who you described there, yeah. Yeah, so he's actually sporting like old school Taz orange and black, which is really cool for me to see, especially because he's a part of Team Taz, which everybody would do that. Um, but yeah, Will Hobbs is a monster, and I'm super excited to see what they do with him. But I definitely think he's going to take a backseat to Brian Cage just because Brian Cage is like the former world champion of the group. 
Um, he had a pretty successful run in and impact before he came over to AEW. So um, one of the big things about this match that kind of lit the Twitter wrestling world on fire and the internet wrestling community as a whole is the icon Sting made his AEW debut. Um, was a really great appearance. It was typical Sting fashion. The lights went out. They played a little uh, Vigenet, um movie on the Titantron before he made his appearance. And this the whole time my wife is like, who is it, babe? Who is it, babe? Um, and, of course, anybody that's kind of been following AEW, we've um, heard rumors of Sting coming over since early this year. It hasn't happened yet um, until now, obviously. But as soon as they showed The Crow in the movie, I was like, yeah, but it's a stinger. He came out. And it was really cool, especially for me. Um, I got goosebumps because it's Sting. It's like seeing someone like The Undertaker from a character perspective, you know. Um, he came down. He came down to the ring to kind of stop the beatdown of Cody and Darby Allen. He had stare downs with all the baby faces in the ring with Cody, Darby, and then Arn Anderson, which was really, really cool because, you know, Sting's history with Ric Flair and the Horsemen mm-hmm. going from NWA to WCW and all that other stuff. So it was really cool to see that, that they kind of addressed it. Um, I, saw a, I saw a meme uh, I think earlier today that was, had him um, with his stare down with Darby and like it said, when your dad leaves to go get cigarettes and comes back 30 years later. <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. That, that was pretty So um, I'm going to post that on the Twitter page, actually. And if you're listening and you follow us on Twitter, just comment and say hello underneath it, just so we know you're listening. There you go. But yeah, um, I don't know. I'm interested to see what they do with, with Sting. Um Uncle Dave came out and said that it is a full-time multi-year contract for Sting with AEW. Um, but we know that the spinal stenosis was no joke with Sting in WWE. Um, I'm hoping that they don't pair him with Darby. I think that's a little too obvious. Um, I'm hoping they give something a little bit different um, and pair him or I, I'm, I'm not quite sure what they're going to do with Sting yet, but I'm excited for um, – the, the fallout from it. But um, and then last, we had the main event from Winter is Coming this past Wednesday. It was Kenny Omega uh, versus John Moxley for the AEW Championship belt. Um, as most of you know, Kenny Omega won a tournament for the right to face John Moxley at this event for the championship. Um, and then Kenny Omega actually went over and defeated John Moxley for the belt, which was expected. Um, Moxley had over a year of a title reign with the AEW championship, which is really good. I think it added a lot of good prestige to the belt, a lot of really good wins for him. Um, but what I, 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 I got to be honest, what I wasn't really a fan of is I, I feel like from a booking perspective, they're starting to kind of paint themselves in the same corners that WWE has made mistakes with that. A lot of the internet community is kind of like, Oh my God, screwy finishes and all this shit. Um, wasn't a fan of that. So uh, Don Callis 
which is synonymous with Impact Wrestling right now. Um, one of our Twitter followers gave us a background that Callus was like a really big influence to get Jericho over in New Japan whenever he feuded with Omega there at first. Um, but they they had Callus out on a three-man panel already, kind of helping call the Omega-Moxley match. And I knew right away that something fishy was going to happen, and I felt like they telegraphed it a little bit too much. Do, I would have preferred if he would have just ran out, like, at the end of the match to do the screwy finish, but I wish the screwy finish wouldn't have happened altogether. Um, right. They had a couple spots. Kenny Omega took a couple of really bad bumps on his head uh, during this match. And the third and final one, he took a bump on the concrete outside, and it was they were playing it off as if he got knocked out. So Callis came down to check on him and then grabbed the microphone and was like, Kenny's hurt, blah, 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 blah. Um, John Moxley, or um, the referee was distracted with something and then Callis hit Moxley in the forehead with the microphone and knocked him out, made him bloody. Um, Omega then did a couple moves and then hit him with AEW's most protected finish right now, which is Kenny Omega's one-winged angel. Um, I think that's, like, the world's most protective finisher. I think Okada's the only one to ever kick out of it. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Um, But for those that don't know what the one-winged angel is, Omega puts the person up in, like, the old-fashioned electric chair position, uh, pulls their head down, and then does almost like a a falcon arrow to finish it off, if I would describe it some way. I don't know, Sim, what do you think? Is that a good description? Yeah, it's a pretty good description. It's it's honestly, it's one of my favorite finishers in the world right now, and I am not a Kenny Omega fan, so that should speak volumes. There you go. Um, so, yeah, after Kenny Omega got the one, two, three, um, it then cut to Don Callis grabbing Kenny Omega and then running through the arena out to a black SUV with Don Callis ending saying, we'll have everything you need to know this Tuesday on Impact Wrestling. Um, Which is really cool. You know, Impact Wrestling has been doing a lot of really good work over the last couple, probably the last year. A lot of hard work, a lot of like really good acquisitions. They have Mm -hmm. some really good locker room leaders in there with like Tommy Dreamer and Eric Young now. Um, They're kind of back on the rise. Impact is known for it's really, really good women's division, which is one of the big things that I'm looking forward to most about a crossover. Um, yeah. For those of you that don't, that aren't familiar with her work or anything like that, um, if it's an excuse to get Jordan Grace on my TV on AEW to kind of get her hands into the AEW women's division, I am 100% here for it. Um, I'm a big uh, Deanna Perrazzo fan too. Yeah, she's also really good. good. Um, if you want to look into her work, you can see her in the May Young Classic on the WWE Network. Um, so you can look into that or, of course, tune into Impact Wrestling every Tuesday and check her out. Um, but really excited for what that could do for both women's divisions, just elevating it and, and doing some of the best work that they can. Uh, so pretty excited about that. Um, also, um the Good Brothers versus the Young Bucks. I think that would be pretty yeah. The Good Brothers versus well. the Young Bucks. They have – Impact has a lot of really good talent. Like it's, 
I mentioned Golden Grace. I mentioned Rich. Uh, I did not mention Rich Swan, which well, you did know. WWE <laughs> listeners are familiar with um, him from WWE getting cut, unfortunately. But um, Impact also has the North, which is Impact's tag team champions right now. And then Eric. No, they're not. Oh, they're not. They, the Good Brothers are the tag team champions right now. Oh, I just looked it up. Okay, thanks for the correction, though. Um, just, I don't know. I would love to see the North versus FTR. I think that's one thing that both companies do really well right now, um, tag team wrestling. And I am our community tag team wrestling mark. Um, so excited about that. So, yeah, um, that is AEW Dynamite, the December 2nd rendition of it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pass the mic over to Sims. He's going to talk to us a little bit about NXT this past week with us being able to um, continue. So what did NXT give us? So there's actually a lot less to talk about with NXT this week. Um, It was the go-home show for – for – War Games. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so they started out with a tribute to Pat Patterson. Um, they had, you know, Triple H and Shawn Michaels, William Regal, went along with the entire roster was out there. Uh, they had the typical moment of silence with tribute video that they typically do when um, an important member of the WWE community passes away. Um, but then they got right into the action. They had a uh, tag team match. Uh, it was Damian Priest and Leon Ruff versus Raul Mendoza and Santos Escobar. Uh, it was pretty hard-hitting. I mean, I really enjoy all the talent involved. I'm still getting to learn Leon Ruff because I literally, the first time I ever saw him was when he won the North American title. Uh, Damian Priest, obviously, he's a, he's a big dude. He moves around the ring very well. He has a hard-hitting style that I really enjoy. Uh, Santos Escobar, cruiserweight champion, he's held that for a while now. Um, He's really good in the ring. And Raul Mendoza, I don't know all too much about. But um, in this match in particular, he he uh, he looked pretty good. Um, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. But um, Leon Ruff ended up tagging himself in after Damian Priest kind of did most of the work and uh, hit a splash for the win. I mean, it's a typical dynamic with a – a bigger fella and a little fella tag team, especially when they're going to be in a match in a couple of days. You know, the big guy does all the work, and then the little guy tags himself in and gets the win. Um, and I mean, as a book from a booking perspective, it really kind of helps everybody um, look strong. Um, after that, we had uh, Cameron Grimes versus Austin Gray, who's an enhancement talent. Um, to the moon, baby! <laughs> so, uh, Cameron Grimes put the beat down on him pretty well. Um, he's, you know, Gray started to make a little bit of a comeback, but uh, it was snuffed out pretty quickly. Uh, the cave-in finish. And um, he he was beating him down after the match was over, and he had a strap and everything. He's kind of talking, and then Dexter Loomis just uh, – kind of showed up and took him down with another strap, which, of course, uh, you know, they have a strap match going on tonight at 
War yeah. Games. <laughs> so um, that was good to kind of get Cameron Grimes a little momentum going into it and uh, also get the gimmick involved as well. Um, had a singles match between Jake Atlas and Tony Nice, which, um, you know, they do a lot of their work on 205 Live. Both are great workers. Honestly, I think Tony Nice could be on the NXT regular roster or even the main roster. I think he is super talented and he has the look. Um, so I don't, I don't know what it is. Maybe he's, I haven't really heard him cut a promo. So maybe that's what the issue is and why he's where he is right now on the card. But, uh, he is very good in the ring. Um, so they had a pretty good match, which, um, Atlas ended up winning. He has like a cartwheel DDT finish, which is pretty sweet looking. Um, it was a solid match. I mean, it was nothing that, you know, to write home about. It was just a solid TV match. Um, and then after that, we had Pat McAfee and his trio, uh, Pete Dunne, Oni Larkin, and Danny Birch, the kings of NXT. Uh, they came out and cut a promo on the Undisputed Era. Ah, Era, cheese. Era. <laughs> and, um, you know, Pat, Pat has really impressed me with his promo skills thus far. And um, I know a lot of people are going to shit on him because he doesn't come from a wrestling background. He's an outsider coming in. But I really think people are giving him a fair shake because in my opinion, he's been great. And uh, also in the opinion of someone that carries a little weight in the wrestling community, Mr. Uh, Chickmaster Punk, uh, on Twitter, he said, uh, tweeted two days ago, he said a lot of it has to do with circumstance, but everyone else on the show should feel embarrassment and subsequently use said feelings to better themselves. Um, at the fact that Pat McAfee showed at Pat McAfee show is a better promo than everyone on the show. So, um, I mean, to me, at least that carries a lot of weight because I mean, CM Punk is one of the best promo guys to ever step inside a wrestling ring. And so that carries a little extra weight there. And, you know, he, Pat had his match against Adam Cole. I think he did a lot better in the ring than most of us thought he would. And uh, even me, and I have high expectations. So I'm excited to see um, what happens going forward with that. And I'm super excited for the War Games match tonight. So um, I think about Pat really quickly. I, I want to echo um, your feelings on him. I will say this about his match with Adam Cole. There's a couple things I want to mention. And I don't, I, I'm going to start with his match with Adam Cole. I think a lot of us expected Adam Cole to carry him, but I want to say this right now that Pat McAfee carried his own damn weight in that match. 100%. And I think a lot of people's qualms or like, oh my God, celebrities coming in and getting like main event shots or like being in the main um, storyline or something like that. Um, you know, Pat's doing it, which he's doing it on, on the third show. Like, he's not coming right in and getting in the ring with Roman Reigns for a Royal Rumble main event. Like, he came in on an NXT TakeOver, had a mid-card match with Adam Cole, hell of a match, impressed everybody, 
He's got the ring works. Like, he's actually taking this seriously. Um, and I don't think anybody can tell me otherwise, to be honest with you. I, I really enjoy his work that he's doing. Um, but, yeah, I really have to agree with the promo work. He is probably the best promo in NXT right now. I, I, I would be tough for me to compare Adam Cole and Pat McAfee because Adam Cole can talk, too. Um, but aside from that, man, I, I hope this isn't the blow off for Pat. I hope he continues to help doing or not help, but I hope he continues to do work in NXT. Uh, keep him on my TV because he's entertaining for sure. And I think with him building this faction, actually, no, I'm going to save that for war games predictions. Okay. (laughs) Um, so then after that, uh, we had well, it was scheduled to be Ever Rise, which is a new, newer, younger tag team that's coming into NXT against the Grizzled Young Veterans. But uh, Imperium came out and kind of beat the hell out of Ever Rise, so it ended up being a all NXT UK tag team match between the Grizzled Young Veterans and the uh, Imperium. Um, He's a good match. He was a little sloppy in spots. Um, I don't know how much they have been in the ring, especially with COVID and over NXT UK took a very extended break with COVID going on. And um, so I don't know how much they've been in the ring as of recent months. So that could be, it could be a ring rust. Um, if I remember, I didn't write this down, but if I remember correctly, uh, Imperium ended up with the win, but then uh, Everrise came back down and attacked them. Um, so, I mean, it was just kind of another thing that I think it'll set up for the future because um, Imperium will probably be around the tag title scene and then Everrise, as they rise, will uh, meet up with them eventually. So, I think that'll be a Decent little feud. And then in the main event, we had Shotzi Blackheart versus Raquel Gonzalez um, with the winner gaining the advantage for the War Games match. Um, it was in a ladder match. Sorry if I didn't mention that. Um, it was – I thought it was an incredible match. I love Shotzi Blackheart's style, especially in a ladder match, and I think it will really show up in the War Games match as well. She has a very high-risk style that kind of lends itself to those type of matches. So I think, uh, I think you know, that really helps out. Um, and Raquel Gonzalez is, you know, an absolute powerhouse. And she is very impressive. She's impressed me every time she's been in the ring. Um, you know, you know with, with Miss Gonzalez, she draws a lot of China comparisons. What, what can you say on that? Do you have anything to – like way too soon to make that comparison. Can I understand why they get the comparison or, or need some work before bringing her name with China's name? Like where, where, where are you with that? This is what I'll say. And I will compare this comparison to another comparison. Uh, comparison, so, baby. So you know how in sports in general, when someone, another, like a great talent is coming up, they are, in basketball, it's like, oh, is this the next Michael Jordan? Is this the next Michael Jordan? In football, is could this be the next Peyton Manning? Or, you know how it's always they jump to the top 
because they don't want to compare them to like a lesser known name or someone that may not have been more successful. I feel like it's kind of one of those things. I feel like it's way too soon to compare her to China. Okay. And I also feel like it's unfair to compare anyone to China because of how good China was. China was an intercontinental champion. I was going to say, people forget that China was an <laughs> intercontinental champion. Also, China. first woman in WWE history to be in the Royal Rumble. Fun fact. And another thing, I read this like two weeks ago um, when she did Playboy. Vince McMahon offered China a run with the WWE Championship to not do Playboy. And this was in the late 90s. Mere 20 years before any wrestling promotion even thought of putting their world title on a woman. Shout out Tessa Blanchard. Uh, but yeah, Vince McMahon offered her a run with the WWE Championship to not do Playboy. That's how good China was. So I don't think it's fair to compare anybody to China. But Raquel Gonzalez is very good with all that said. Okay. Uh, but Io Shirai ended up coming down towards the end to prevent um, Gonzalez from getting the win, and then Shotzi ended up winning the match. Um, that was kind of their way of, you know, hey, Io Shirai's going to be on the team because at that point there wasn't, like, a fourth member for Shotzi's team. And, uh, yeah, they, I think they did a pretty solid job of building the bigger matches. Um Oh, another thing that happened during the show, I almost forgot. Timothy Thatcher, they were, was doing like, it was almost like a shoot wrestling thing. And you know how they have the rings in the back, um, the backstage area. And yeah, the actual performance. Oh, wait, they're not at the performance center anymore, are they? They are. They still, they just decorated it (laughs) for NXT. So um, it's called the Capital Capital Wrestling Center, right? I think so, yeah. yeah. CWC. But, um, there's a weight classic. I don't know. <laughs> Thatcher and Champa had like a shoot wrestling match almost, and uh, Thatcher actually choked Champa out. So that was pretty cool. Interesting. Okay. But yeah, that was NXT for this week. Okay, cool. Um, every time I hear Timothy Thatcher, and I don't know why I think this, but. I think of Ridge Holland and that poor guy's knee. But I always, for some reason, I always get those two mixed up. Yeah, hopefully he comes back healthy. I mean, it's going to be a couple. Ridge was the rugby rugby player, right? Ridge Holland, yes. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much for that update on NXT. Um, I know you and I both are really looking forward to it in a couple hours with War Games. War Games. <laughs> coming live on the WWE Network. So um, one thing we're going to dive into um, with this episode is we're going to talk about some things we missed. Because like we said earlier, we've been away for about two months. Um, so we're happy to be back. A lot of really good, and, and Vince McMahon's voice, such good shit has been going Some seriously good shit. So um, we're going to talk about that, and uh, we're going to kick it off um, with the big dog, man. Um, it's not very often that Vince McMahon gives us what we want, in, in the words of Dave Bautista. Um, but Roman Reigns came back a few months ago after being away with the COVID-19 pandemic and not feeling comfortable working and things like that. Understandable. He's high risk with his leukemia history. 
Also, um, he just the birth of his child, I think, was like a week or two after WrestleMania, so that also was a big factor. Yeah, very true. He did have uh, twins, I think, yeah? Yeah, I believe so. Oh, man. Some more Usos coming your way in about 22 years. <laughs> yep. Um, but um, the big dog turned heel, man. He, he came out um, in the triple threat match a few months ago for the – uh, at SummerSlam, I believe. Yeah, it was the main event of SummerSlam. He came out, speared, and knocked the shit out of them, and um, turned he out it's been some of the best wrestling content over the past two months. It's one of the main reasons that I spent my entire two hours completely engaged live tweeting SmackDown Live because it's at this point it it's can't miss TV. And we haven't had can't miss WWE product in what I feel like would be years. So, and you can clip this. I don't care. This is something that will stun anybody that's known me or talked about wrestling with me. Roman Reigns is my favorite wrestler in the world right now. (laughs) Um, He came in SummerSlam. Uh, not only was he not wearing the bulletproof vest, like, come on, Roman, there's no fans. There's no, are you worried there's a sniper? Like, I, I, I don't understand the bulletproof vest. I'm glad it's not there anymore. He came out, he speared everyone in his path. He's wearing a shirt that says, wreck everyone and leave. He did exactly what his t shirt said. He lived the gimmick. With and his then, big old white teeth, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the big old chompers. Um, and then in the ensuing weeks, he the reveal of Paul Heyman uh, when they were back in the locker room, I absolutely lost my shit. I pop for that. I don't pop for stuff very often anymore because I can. I feel like watching professional wrestling for so long, <laughs> you and I have. I feel like we can predict everything that happens. But when they absolutely. sent Paul Heyman in that frame, oh. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> chef's kiss and just the night he came back and just seeing the shirt and how he was acting i was like i remember texting in the group chat oh my god is it finally happening mm-hmm. and then when you see paul Heyman in that shot i'm like holy shit it's actually happening and i, I want to say something about paul Heyman that i want to point out with this relationship with him and roman it is so far and away different than his relationship with Brock Lesnar. Because as we both know, and many of our listeners know, Brock can't talk. He's never been able – he's never been a good promo. Never. He's never been one of those guys. I don't even think he probably talks in his personal life very much. The best thing the, – the only thing that Brock Lesnar has ever said in or around a wrestling ring – it was marketable or enjoyable at any point is when he looked at John Cena and said, welcome to Suplex City, bitch. <laughs> yeah, very true. Very true. But, you know, Paul Heyman's in Brock Lesnar's corner hyping it up. You know, the reigning, defending, Brock Lesnar, the whole thing. And don't uh-huh. wrong, Paul is one hell of a promo. And I don't know if anybody has been checking out Talking Smack, um, which is back on the WWE Network now. You should because Paul Heyman is featured on that very very often um he has been speaking very highly of bianca belair which she deserves all the praise um but he is almost like 
you know, they're referring to Roman Reigns as the tribal chief, right? That's kind of his shtick right now. Head of the table, tribal chief. He's the guy that provides for the Samoan dynasty. Paul is just, I don't even think he holds Roman's belt like he does Brock. He just sits in the back almost like counsel to Roman. It's kind of like shut the hell up until I have a question for you kind of thing. And I just think that is such a good nuanced bit to Roman's character. I have this guy in my back seat that has more than 30 years of professional wrestling experience, and he's just there if I need him. Right. And I think, I think like, like you said, there is a huge difference. And it's like with Brock, Paul Heyman, it was like, it was almost like Brock Lesnar was a warrior and that was it. And he had his person to talk for him and to lead him into battle. Whereas Roman Reigns is the undisputed. He's the top of the table. He's the head of the table. He's the general. And Paul Heyman's just there to be his advisor. And he just looks at him with such reverence and respect. And it really puts into perspective how much of a badass Roman Reigns is right now. Right. Yeah, I agree. I, I totally agree. So I'm looking forward to what comes with this storyline. Let me tell you something. This past Friday um, episode, they're setting up and they're, they're telling more story towards a Kevin Owens, Roman, uh, Roman Reigns feud. If they put those two guys in a TLC match next month, oh, my God, man. Go I, turn the house down. Oh, geez. KO's also- already, like – prepared to do whatever the hell he needs to do to put on a good match, but to be in the hottest storyline in pro wrestling, I, oh my God, it's going to be so good. Also shout out Jay Uso. If you would have told me three months ago that Jay Uso would have been a legit main eventer for two, three months, I would have told you to shut the hell up. I'm very glad he, that they found something to do with him while his brother was out. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very, because I'm very glad for that. So often with tag teams, <coughs> AOP, if one of them get injured, they're both off TV until the other one's yep. healthy. So that was exactly where I was going with that, <laughs> precisely. Um, but it's just been. Do you think it still leads to the Rock and WrestleMania? Do you think that's still the the path that we're going? I think it depends on what's happening with COVID because I don't think they're going to have Roman Reigns versus The Rock in front of a reduced crowd. Gotcha. Um, I think if if the if they have to do it without fans or a smaller crowd, I think it's going to be Big E. I think Big E at that point would end up being in the championship match with Roman, which I would love. Um, I think after Kevin Owens, it's going to be Daniel Bryan. I think they kind of plant the seeds for that. Um, but we'll see. Also, Big E might win the Intercontinental Championship and have a solid long run with that. So we'll see. There's just so many unknowns, especially with COVID right now. Um, usually in years past at this point, um, early December, you kind of have a good idea of who's going to win the Royal Rumble and who's going to be in the championship matches at WrestleMania. And, there's just too many unknowns right now to predict that. Yep, I agree. Um, the next topic that we wanted to talk about, uh, one of the things we missed is Drew McIntyre. Um, Drew McIntyre losing the belt to Randy Orton, which came on a Monday Night Raw, right? 
No, he won it back on Raw. He Orton won the title at Oh so? No, it was Oh wow. Holy crap. Or no, it wasn't Hell in a Cell, you're right. He beat him in Hell in a Cell. But then dropped the dropped the title to uh Drew McIntyre on Monday Night Raw, which was yeah. crazy. It, that was another thing, you know, we consistently talk about telegraphing on, on this show. I wasn't a fan of how the very next night they had a WWE championship match, Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton. And the right. first time that the WWE title has been defended on Raw, and I think they said like four years or something like that. Right. Well, who the hell do you think is going to win? Well, that and they did the whole like thing with him getting the sword and the kilt backstage and the new entrance and. And I mean, anybody that's like into wrestling like we are and kind of understands the face heel dynamic and understanding that he, the winner of that match had a match against heel Roman Reigns coming up on Sunday. I mean, all those kind of contributed to making it very obvious. It was still a really good match. I mean, Randy Orton is at the top of his game right now. These last six months, Randy Orton has been absolutely spectacular. I'm glad he got a little bit of a run with the title. And if you look in the past, his title runs generally are not very long. Um, but he has a bunch of them, and that's what counts, because when people talk about championship rings, they talk about how many, not how long. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, but Drew, Drew's been absolutely – this in my – so, obviously, I'm a WWE show. I think everybody knows that at this point. But Drew McIntyre is my superstar of the year at this point. I mean, he's just – he's been so good from start to finish. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I can understand that because I, I, I consistently forget that Royal Rumble is what kicks off the year. Pretty so, much, yeah. It's like the third or fourth week in January. So you have Royal Rumble, WrestleMania main event, beating Brock Lesnar, having some really good feuds. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Um, but next, I want to spend some time talking about The Fiend and Randy Orton. So I will say this, you know, just talked about my frustration with how they took the belt off of Randy so fast and all this other stuff, which – I agree. I think they needed to reward him for his heel work that he did over the past couple months before that with Edge and then with Drew and the, and the Legends and stuff like that. But right. um, I'm also very happy to see that they've realized that they don't necessarily need the belt to be on the feet. That makes me happy. Um, I'm excited that they're telling a pretty good story so far, you know, with Randy burning down the Wyatt compound and the history that they had. Um him. But I'm interested the... to see what happens with Randy because, you know, the, the thing has been, like, the Fiend kind of fixes people, right? So if, if and when the Fiend goes over Randy, what does he turn back to? Because he was hope... kind of in that legend killer mode. He was kind of in that psychopath mode. Like, what, what happens now? I don't want face Randy Orton. I never want face Randy Orton. Randy no Orton one wants is face Randy Orton. That that's the worst Randy. He's a he's a heel through and through. He he's just. You know what would be funny though if he had like a kayfabe injury, and he would do those uh, promos like he did whenever he first came out, like fifteen years ago. You remember whenever he like messed up his shoulder or something, and they wanted to keep him on TV. Uh huh. 
Yep. That would be funny to have <laughs> like Randy, like 45 year old Randy Orton. I don't think he's that old, but coming out and making those like, oh yeah, just checking in with you guys. And I'm still pretty messed up from the fiend, but I'll be back as quick as I can. I love y'all. That would be, that would be funny. I would pop for that. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. And I think you'd be surprised. You're pretty close to Randy's age. I believe he's like 42, 43. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, if you think about it, he was the youngest world champion at 24. And that was in like 04. So I'm not going to do that math. I'm just going to Google it instead. He's 40. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You know, I could have easily done that math, but way too much work what do you think about alexa bliss and the sister abigail kind of stuff i don't know if they ever really came out and said sister abigail but no they haven't i think it's been pretty good i think her acting almost deserves an oscar like she is so good at flipping that switch which you know i'm a big alexa bliss fan but it would it, it really makes me believe that she would not be a good female to date because of how quickly she switches that flip and how good she is um <laughs> portraying that on screen makes it feel like it's almost real um but yeah that was a bad joke i'm sorry uh <laughs> so fun fact about alexa apparently and i think you actually might have been the one that told me this off offhand but i she's like a big horror fan like yeah. horror films and stuff like that so it only makes sense that she like really knows how to portray this character that they're wanting her to portray out of the fiend, which is really cool. It's kind of funny how like she she's also like super into like Disney stuff. So it's like maybe her whole life is just like yin and yang. Oh yeah, that is that, that is pretty funny. <laughs> I like that. Um the next thing that we want to talk about, and I, Sims, I'm sorry, but I'm not spending a whole lot of time on this. I'm not a big fan of her to begin with. I don't think she's great in the ring. And I hope it doesn't lead to anything else. But Lana going through a table like nine weeks in a row. It's like, annoying. Yeah, it's annoying. <laughs> I think we can leave it at that, honestly. Yeah. I don't think there's much else that needs to be said. It's annoying. It's probably a punishment because Rusev is speaking out against WWE. Yeah, probably. It's, you know, so, yeah, just Vince McMahon being a grumpy old man and being a bitch about stuff. You know, typical. Yeah. <laughs> and from what I've been reading, it might not even be Vince. I'm hearing that Bruce Pritchard is taking, like, a really big role backstage. Yeah, well. He's got he's a lot of power. I'm not going to get into Bruce Pritchard right now because this will be a five-hour podcast. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll save that for another time. There you go. Um, next, we have Survivor Series. So a couple of uh, good things from Survivor Series. It was your normal, in my opinion, very lackluster pay-per-view. Um, really, yeah. this, the addition of NXT this year uh, was pretty sad that that didn't happen. But uh, Here's my thing. thing. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay, just real quickly, I want to say I think I like Survivor Series. I enjoy watching it because you get things that you don't get any other time of the year, different alliances and stuff like that. But I think the biggest thing with Survivor Series that makes it feel lackluster recently is there's no stakes. You have these five-on-five matches, and it's kind of like, okay, you win, cool nothing else happens. I yep. think the best Survivor Series matches are 
the ones with stakes. Uh, the one one that comes to mind is uh, is was Team Cena versus Team Authority when Sting made his WWE debut to help Dolph Ziggler end up winning that thing. Um, so stuff like that when there's actual stakes involved makes it so much better. But when there's no stakes, it's just kind of like, okay, cool, this is solid wrestling, but that's about all it amounts to. Yeah, and I think that they were going that way this year, honestly. But yeah, they, they were. fucked up retribution so bad. They're like, wow, we can't even add them to Survivor. <laughs> yeah. It's They've just, already sent Mercedes Martinez back to NXT. Like, she's already gone to – Well, it was her request. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, that they don't always grant that, though, so. Yeah. R.I.P. Alistair. Yeah, but I don't want to talk about it. Um, but two things that – were my big takeaway that we're going to spend a couple minutes on. Um, I was really surprised by this match because we've seen it a hundred times whenever Drew was heel and Roman was faced several, mm-hmm. I guess it's probably been what, about a year ago now? Yeah, but, it was It was like Drew's first big feud when he came back, I believe. Yeah. Uh, well, after him and Dolph were in that tag team for a little while, and then after that, it was like his first big single feud. But, yeah, um, Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns at Survivor Series. It, it went about 22 minutes, I believe. And it was, in the words of a Hall of Famer, it was a, it was a slobber knocker, you know? It was a fucking hoss fight is what it was. And I want to say this about the Roman and Drew match. There was a spot in there where Drew – um, had Roman in a, black, a backslide, and it was a near fall. It was like two and a half count, and Roman kicked mm-hmm. out. I just want to say that I wish WWE did more of that stuff um, with how Drew beat Randy Orton at SummerSlam because at that yeah. point, I actually believe that it could have been a pinfall win over Roman with a backslide for Drew. Right. And I, I think it, it was just like a nice little nuance that Drew was like, yeah, I always have this in my back pocket. I can pull it out if I need it kind of thing. And especially in that type of match where you want to protect both superstars because they are the two biggest superstars in the company right now. They are the two main champions, mm-hmm. and you don't want either one of them eating a clean loss. Exactly. Yeah. It, great point, Sims, for sure. Um, but, yeah, it, it was it was a great match. Um, but I think you and I can both agree. We were texting each other before the event, and I think you and I were most excited for the Street Profits versus the New Day. Yes. Uh, as good as Drew and Roman was, I couldn't touch Match of the Night, which was that, that tag team bout. Absolutely. And it was just incredible. I, I'll say this on every podcast or video that we ever produce. Montez Ford is a future WWE champion. World champion. Not Intercontinental, not U.S., None of that. He is a future world champion. Um, the kid, since he since we're doing charisma, it. dude, he he does. Since we're uh, dropping some hot takes, I'm gonna drop one myself. The New Day is the greatest tag team in WWE history. Okay, I mean, as far as tag teams are concerned, I think from a um belt perspective, I think the only I think they're tied. Are they nine-time or ten-time now? Nine-time? They're nine. They're tied with the Dudleys. Yeah, you got it. I, I think that's the only team that they really have. And, and the Dudleys weren't even, like, a WWE product. No, that's – I think that's 
I love the Dudleys. I love the Hardys. I love Edge and Christian. Um, you know, there's so many tag teams I can name off right now. But I think the fact that other than Xavier obviously did his time with TNA, but he's a completely different character in WWE. He doesn't even have the same name. Um, I feel Xavier, like Xavier might have done time with TNA, but he was super green with his yeah, in TNA. Absolutely. So I and you know, New Day has been how I, I it feels like it's almost been ten years. Honestly, I I know it hasn't been that long, but it's been at least six or seven. Um, and you know, just the fact that they've stuck together for so long, um, all the tag team championship reigns, all the different feuds they've had, along with them pushing Kofi to the top, uh, just everything they've done, they've done together as a brotherhood. I know they're split right now, but I have a feeling that that's not going to last a super long time. Um, I think it's only... I just looked it up. The New Day debuted in 2014, so six years. Six years, yeah. Um, it's just time is such a weird concept at this point. Uh, but, yeah, that's just my personal opinion. I know there's, I will probably get a lot of heat for that one, but I don't care. That's what we're here no, for. No, I mean, I, I, think <laughs> he, I, I think it's a good take. I don't think it's too hot of a take, in my opinion. I mean, from a WWE perspective – and just to know that Kofi was on the verge of like, yeah, I, I'm done doing this to just have a yeah. career revitalization. Absolutely. And, and oh man. Mm. I, I love that Kofi won the title off of Daniel Bryan. So I can say that my two favorite WrestleMania moments of the last um, decade involved Daniel Bryan, but you know, and there was a lot of um, really interesting parallels between Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston and WrestleMania 30 and WrestleMania 35, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and their world title wins. And there's a, a lot of really interesting parallels with that. And it was so cool that Daniel Bryan was the one that dropped the title to Kofi. <laughs> yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. And, uh, and the Street Profits, I mean, are my favorite tag team right now. Um, top five act to me in wrestling in my personal opinion favorite i'm not saying best but favorite um and i feel like it was uh it was kind of a passing of the torch moment honestly really i i don't know if i would go that far that might be a hotter take than new day being the best tag team in wwe i mean i'm not saying like new day is gonna go off into you know into the distance and right away but like I think that was kind of the moment where people will be like, you know, the Street Poppets are one of the best tag teams in the world right now. Okay. Again, I welcome the heat. I'm a heel. <laughs> <laughs> no, but man, one thing I want to say, um, as far as acts, since we're talking about that, I don't think the Hurt Business gets enough credit. No, they're really good, but I think the biggest thing why they don't get the credit they deserve is because they get booked like shit. Yeah, I agree. But MVP, man, his his career resurgence has been fantastic to watch. Yeah, he is a he is very good on the microphone. For sure. For sure. Um, we're gonna go ahead and move on to and we have a couple more things we want to touch on for what did we miss, but um, 
The next thing is the Miz winning the Money in the Bank briefcase off of Otis, which I think everybody kind of saw coming, unfortunately. It was definitely, like, good on Otis because now he can always say he's a Money in the Bank briefcase winner. Great. But it was definitely, like, Vince wanted to laugh, and I don't think that he had a long-term plan for it, which sucked. Yeah, Uh Vince thought it was funny, and then he's like, oh, well, I don't want to put a world title on this guy. Yeah. He was probably like, hey, Bruce, does the Miz still work here? <laughs> let's let's put it on that guy. I don't know why I'm giving him a country accent because Vince doesn't have a country accent. But No, not at all. He's from New York. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so, yeah, uh, from a fantasy booking perspective, how, when would you like to see the Miz cash in? Um, this is tough because I – I almost would want him – nope, nope, don't come to NXT. I take that back in my brain. Um, I would say after WrestleMania. I I don't want the Miz main eventing WrestleMania as champion at this point. Yeah. Um, he hasn't deserved it this year, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, the Miz is a good character, and you know he's been very consistent for a long time. And uh, but I, I just don't see him as world champion material at this point. What I would but, like, to hear, um, from a fantasy booking perspective, it has nothing to do with him cashing in. I think one thing that they always say about the Money in the Bank briefcase that they never really explore is that the fact that they have it have a title opportunity one year after after it's won. Right. So I'd like it to be some kind of freaky contract clause to where it was one year after Otis won it. And then it that is it. Like <laughs> it just because it changed hand doesn't mean that the the date is so in like a week after money in the bank. Mm-hmm. And and it becomes a storyline. I think that would be really neat. Actually I um now that I'm thinking more about it because I was not prepared for this question whatsoever. I would like if he cashed it in to win the Intercontinental Championship, making him a 10-time Intercontinental Champion and breaking Chris Jericho's record. Mm. I could see, I could definitely see that being something that they try to do. Who is Intercontinental Champion right now? Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn, yeah. Sami Zayn. And he's on SmackDown, so it will require him switching shows. But, you know, shit happens. True. AJ Styles got traded out of nowhere because Paul Heyman didn't like him. So, yeah. you never know. No, he didn't, he didn't like Paul Heyman. <laughs> no, I mean. So, a little do – you, do you know the background with that? I do not. So, apparently, AJ's got beef with Paul Heyman because whenever Paul was in charge of Raw, um, uh-huh. they knew that – cuts were coming and Paul was like uh Paul apparently told AJ that the good brothers were good that they weren't going to get cut and then they ended up getting released so Uh, AJ you know AJ from a shoot perspective he's like a very like he's very religious very like honorable guy behind the scenes yeah very family oriented yeah so he was like fuck that guy I don't like AJ doesn't even cuss Right, the life from my understanding, he, he's like, man, forget that guy. I want to be. I need to be away from Paul Heyman, kind of thing. 
So that's why, like, AJ's been switching so much because Paul's been switching so much. Right. That makes sense. Um, and then the last thing that we wanted to talk about that we missed, um, Bailey and Sasha. You know, it kind of sucks that we haven't been around for that feud to kind of kick off, blow off, and then, you know, where we are now with with them. But, um, of course, Bailey's title run, it was over 100 days – or, excuse me, over uh, a year long, which was one of the longest title reigns in WWE history for a woman, which was really cool to see. Um, Bailey get that opportunity and be in that spotlight. Because I do feel like – I feel like – Bailey and Sasha get overshadowed a lot by um, Charlotte and Becky. So Absolutely do. <laughs> I was happy to see that they were both getting their opportunity to shine. But I think Bailey is going to end up winning the Royal Rumble, and I think they're going to have another like part three at WrestleMania for the strap, which I would yeah. love to see. I don't think Bailey's won a match since she lost the title. I think she's like 0 and 10. No, damn well what that usually sets up to. It sets up to a Royal Rumble win and then all that stuff. I would definitely like to see character swaps, though. I would like to see Sasha be a heel and Bailey be a face for their part. I think they they might be playing in that, but they have to give her time to grow her hair back out in the pandemic to stop so she can hug people. Yep. So... (laughs) So, yeah, um, any last thoughts on Bailey, Sasha? No, I mean, you pretty much covered all of it there. All right. Well, time for the main event for um, this episode of Sims Gets It. We're going to go in, uh, well, excuse me, co-main event, because Sims and I are going to top five today um, for our top five gimmick matches coming later um, in honor of War Games tonight. So, um, we're going to talk about the War Games card, um, kind of go into it, make some predictions for you. Um, so we're going to go ahead and kick it off. The first match that we have, and these are in no particular order. We don't know what time or when they're running or anything like that. They may very well kick off with the women's War Games. Uh, yeah, I think – We have no idea. I think that's that's how they structured it last year. They kicked off with the women's match, War Games match, and then they had – the other matches in between, and then they finish with the men's war games. Maybe they reverse that order this year. Who knows? It could be. Um, but we're going to go ahead and, and lead with, like, the um, singles matches instead of more of the uh, war games matches. So we're going to go ahead and move into Timothy Thatcher versus Chiampa, uh, which Sims touched on his NXT um, review earlier, but it sounded like Timothy Thatcher – um, choked out Chiampa on the go-home show. Is it Chiampa or is it Chiampa? Am I saying it wrong? I always say it Champa, but I Champa. Okay, know. yeah, that one. <laughs> Whatever. You know who we're talking about, the bald guy with the beautiful beard that is one of the best professional wrestlers in the world right now. That guy. No, no one will survive. <laughs> there you go. Um, also, easily top five entrance song, so. It's my it's my number one. Number one. Okay. It's my favorite. Um, but I'm gonna go with I, I think I think Champa is being used as kind of that we need to help some other guys get over and then we're gonna yes. put you back in the title scene or the main event picture. But I think definitely Timothy Thatcher goes over Champa right now. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think Champa's gonna be the guy that taps. I think I think we're gonna get a stone cold Steve Austin 
Um, mm-hmm. He's going to pass out instead of tap, which I think is an overused spot these days, but I think it's still going to happen at NXT. Um, help uh, Thatcher get over and, and get the win. What do you think? I kind of hate that I let you go first because you kind of stole my complete thunder on that, and I agree with everything you said. <laughs> um, I love it. I, love I think it. Champa at this point in his NXT career has built up the reputation of, you know, of how good he actually is. And I think they're going to use that to build up some fresh faces because it's NXT. I mean, it's not a developmental brand anymore per se, but they will have people leaving. So there has to be people that are going to build up and go into those main event roles. Um, And I think that's been a huge part of NXT and they consistently have had that guy that is maybe not a former champion like Champa, but they've had a guy that has that reputation that's kind of went out and you know went out on their back for some of these guys to uh, move forward on the card and yeah I don't think Champa's I don't think Champa's tapping out uh, I think he he might pass out, but he's not tapping out and that's actually my prediction I think yeah I, I definitely out. think that they the reason we get this spot is because I think if he continues to lose to talent, then it's going to become too telegraphed or too predictable. So You're right. that's the reason I picked the finish. Um, yeah. I did. So I am excited for that day that comes that he comes out with like a kendo sticker, a steel chair, and just fucks everybody up and says, you know, he wants Goldie back, which I would be excited. Oh my God. So I was watching uh I rewatched War Games from I've watched every rewatched every War Games pay per view this week, but um I remember in the build up to last year, um Undisputed Era was on the stage and Champa was in the ring by himself and he just grabs a mic and he's like, Goldie, you're gonna have to wait. Daddy's going to war. And I yeah, I still I still that. I still pop for that. It was so good. <laughs> Yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, next on the docket, we have Dexter Loomis versus Cameron Grimes, which to the listeners, there's a video floating around on Twitter uh, world right now that everybody is impersonating uh, William Regal's war games um, epicness. And you need to go check it out because it goes through a bunch of NXT stars trying to do it. And then Dexter Loomis is just staring a hole through the camera. Doesn't say, doesn't twitch nothing no self and it's just so funny go check it out i love it we'll Uh try to find that and retweet it if we can find it there you go Uh, but yeah we have dexter loomis versus cameron grimes i gotta be honest don't know a whole lot about this but i do know that they were building both of these superstars pretty well actually there for a while Mm -hmm. cameron uh, or excuse me dexter was pretty involved in a storyline with the undisputed era and then we have uh, cameron grimes to the moon. Um, so I'll let you go first with this one because I, I don't really have a pick. So let's see if you can convince me. Okay. So I think the biggest thing with this one is it's a strap match. And if you think about strap matches in the past, they don't make sense. And the result ends up not making a lot of sense most of the time. Um, I think uh, they've really built Cameron Grimes as a chicken shit heel. And usually the chicken shit heel gets his comeuppance in the big match at the pay-per-view. So for that reason, I'm going to go with 
Dexter went missing. Okay. Creepy ass. <laughs> so okay, that makes more sense to me why they went with, went with the strap match because it, as our listeners know, um, we kind of touched on it earlier. You have heel Sims, he's the NXT guy. Babyface gets, which is me. I'm the AEW guy, so I don't I don't get to spend a whole lot of time watching NXT. Um, but with Sims' explanation of them kind of building. Cameron Grimes up to be that chicken shit heel. It makes more sense to me that he is in a strap match because then he can't run, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, they had a they had a blindfold match a couple weeks ago, which was a whole fiasco, but it was well, actually I, pretty funny. Cameron Grimes beat up the ref. I think Dexter is one of those guys that's gonna keep coming up. I think um I'm I'm gonna go with Dexter. I'm gonna trust Sims, go with Dexter and Kind of see how it plays out tonight. I'm going to trust Sims' famous last words. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then next up, we have a triple threat match for the North American Championship. We have Leon Ruff, which is still champion, correct? Yes. Against Johnny Gargano. Um, and then the third participant is Damian Priest, former North American champion. All three former Johnny Gargano is a two-time, the only two-time North American champion. Oh, well, there you go. Okay. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go first with this one just because I don't know why, but I really like Damian Priest. I, I like I that he – what he's able to do in the ring, his versatility. He's a big man. Um, not like Keith Lee big man, but like as I've said famously on a couple of other productions that we've had, he is the love child of Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, and nobody's going to tell me otherwise. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I'm going to go with Damian Priest. I'm excited to see what he bases his attire off tonight because he usually uh, gets some um, inspiration from legends and stuff like that. So, so I'm also going to go Damian Priest. Um, Reasoning-wise, um, I think – think you know the Leon Ruff thing has been fun it's been entertaining but I think it's kind of run its course at this point and I think the triple threat match allows for Damian Priest to win the title but I think he's going to pin Gargano to kind of protect Leon Ruff to kind of build him for I think what's going to end up being a run for the cruiserweight title um so I think the triple threat um stipulation gives the opportunity for Damian Priest to win the title back, Leon Ruff to not eat a pin. And, I mean, at this point, everybody knows who Johnny is. Everybody knows how good he is. And taking a pinfall off in a triple threat match isn't going to hurt him. Okay. Cool. I'm here for it. I think this is going to be a pretty good match. Um, Johnny and Damian Priest have incredible chemistry already, so I love the fact Mm -hmm. that they keep throwing them in the ring together. Um, I'm not well-versed on Leon Ruff, but uh, from Honestly, from him, he <laughs> looks like he's really – he kind of gives me um, Leo Rush vibes a little bit. Yeah. I, I can agree with that. I think Leo was a little bit stronger, um, a little bit bigger, but I think okay. they did the whole thing uh, when he won the title. They uh, put the – title around his waist and it fell to his feet and then uh triple h did the picture backstage with the point and uh the title around his feet and said that's why we don't call it a belt i thought that was pretty funny hmm. i hate that though i i will forever 
<laughs> I know you do, and that's one kind of why I wanted to bring it up. <laughs> All right, so time for the the, the two co-main events. So Hewitt. So. So we have the first War Games match. Uh, we're going to cover the women's first. With um, one team, we have Shotzi Blackheart versus – or excuse me, not versus. Sorry, that Black Sabbath got the juice flowing. I'm a little, <laughs> a little – doing, doing the old Ric Flair. Uh, but we got Shotzi Blackheart, Ember Moon, Rhea Ripley, and Io Shirai versus Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez and Tony Storm, which is apparently a brand new heel over the last couple of weeks. So um, I'm going to be honest here. Um, what are your initial thoughts? I, I'll let you go first for this one. Uh, I think hmm. – so I think the face team with Shotzi, Ember, Rhea, and Io is going to end up winning – um, I think they're going to set up EO's next feud, which I think is going to be Tony Storm. It could be Raquel Gonzalez, uh, but I think it's going to end up being Tony Storm. Um, you know, in these multi-people matches, they, uh, you know, NXT, I think, does a very good job of setting things up for the future. Like, they'll do these little subtle things that you'll look back on later and be like, yeah, that kind of makes sense now. Um I don't see, you know, sometimes in these matches you have the uh, a turns or a face turns heel. I don't see that happening with any of the performers on the face team. You know, Rhea is an absolute monster. She's so good. Um, Ember Moon, I'm just glad she's back in the ring. She's a great performer. Io goes without saying how good she is. Her title run has been absolutely phenomenal. And then Shotzi is just a balls-to-the-walls risk-taker, I, I think will perform really well in this match. I think it's going to be a really good match. Um, I think the face team's going to end up winning. There's really not uh, much reasoning behind it other than that's just what I think is going to happen. Okay. So I've actually learned whenever I've picked NXT, unless she goes against Charlotte Flair, I've learned to not pick against Rhea Ripley. <laughs> yeah, that's um, a good idea. <laughs> But I'm actually going to go with the heel team, um, and here's why. So, for selfish reasons, and I'm just going to pull this one out of my butt, um, but I think what I would love to see is a heel turn from Rhea tonight. Um, I think she she turns heel, kind of runs through the face team with Shotzi and Ember and, and EO, because I think at the end of the day, she wants her belt back. She doesn't really care about – Anything else? I um, think this is Rhea's last match in NXT, if, if I had to guess. Really? Yeah. Well, there I goes my prediction. Shit. I mean, she's lost clean to EO twice now, and I just don't think there's much left for her in NXT. Also, EO's uh, entrance music is one of my favorites in the business right now, too. Her I mean, entrance in general is really yeah. good. E- EO's, the, she's Boom. the total package. Boom. Wayne will kill me for this, but I prefer Io to Oscar. Mm, interesting. 
Okay. But, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with the the heel team because of a, a Rhea heel turn. Um, and then next we have the men's war games match. <laughs> war games. <laughs> War games. Um, I'm pretty hyped up for this. I'm, I'm actually, you guys can't see it, but I'm wearing my Undisputed Era t-shirt today um, in anticipation for it. Super excited for the matchup. Super excited for what I would imagine is the main event. We have the Undisputed Era versus the Kings of NXT, which, like we said earlier, is Pat McAfee, uh, Pete Dunne, Oni Larkin, and Danny Birch. I think you guys, uh, our listeners, know how much of a mark I am for Oni Larkin. So I'm big time with him. Um, so, yeah, let's go ahead. Uh, kick it off for us, Sims. Who you got? Okay, so this match, I see the uh, I see the turn happening in this match. And I think that it's going to be Kyle O'Reilly. I think Kyle O'Reilly is going to turn heel and join Pat McAfee's stable he has going on right now. Uh, I think the rest of the Undisputed Era will be leaving NXT soon. Um, Because, again, I just don't see that there's too much for them to do at this point. Um, But I think Kyle O'Reilly is going to stay in NXT, um, join up with Pat, and I think he eventually gets an NXT title reign, and I think he deserves that. I think Kyle O'Reilly is the most underrated wrestler on the NXT roster right now because he's been in Undisputed Era for so long, so he doesn't get the respect that he should because everybody's like, oh, that's Adam Cole and his boys. Kyle O'Reilly is just as good in the ring as Adam Cole in my opinion, and I hope, I think this will be a way for him to begin to show that. Okay. I did not see that coming. I don't think, I don't think Undisputed Era is going anywhere. Um, I think we haven't seen much turnover from NXT because, since they are a cable broadcast and television show now. Um, I think, I think Undisputed Era is going to stick around for a while. Um, but I am going to go, I'm going to go with the Kings of NXT. Just because, like we mentioned earlier, I want Pat to stick around. I don't want this to be the blow-off or anything like that. Um, just for selfish reasons, really. I, I want him yeah. on my TV as much as I can get him on my TV. Um, yeah, big, I don't think he's going anywhere. I can't wait to see him and, and Adam Cole uh, square off. It's just I'm, I'm so hyped for tonight, yeah. man. I love so I- War Games. I completely forgot about this, and I went back and I watched. Um, you know, uh, typically leading up to a pay per view, I will rewatch the pay per views from like the last five years and the days leading up to it. So right before Survivor Series, I was watching last year's, and I forgot that Pete Dunne and Adam Cole had an NXT Championship match at Survivor Series last year, and it was like match of the night. Like it was spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um, after, you know, the night after Adam Cole took that crazy bump off the top of the cage through the tables from Champa. Um, so yeah, that was really good. They have good chemistry in the ring together. And Pete Dunn, spectacular. Adam Cole, everybody in this match, 
honestly, looking at it, the worst wrestler is definitely McAfee. And if you can have eight people in a ring and that Pat McAfee's the worst of them, you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, you are in great shape. <laughs> you picking? Oh, the Kings of NXT. Okay. For sure. So we we both got the heels for for the men's war games. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll do it for the pay-per-view tonight, wrapping up our predictions. And these are, since it's just Sins and I on this one, uh, unofficial picks. Um, we do have a competition going on with Wayne and Abby, both whom have made um, appearances on some of our broadcasts um, earlier this year. Uh, but those are our picks, and I'm so excited for this event. I'm ready to go. Um, but to conclude this episode of Sims Gets It, we are going to be doing one of our top fives for you guys. And this one is going to be top five gimmick matches in honor of War Games tonight. Um, so I'm going to go ahead. Uh, we're going to switch back and forth. I'm going to go five to one. I'm going to say my fifth. And then Sims is going to say his fifth. And then back and forth until we both get to one. Um, and I we have you guys. It's probably pretty similar <laughs> list just because we're both into the same kind of stuff. Um, but we have not we, shared our list with each other, though. So we have not. We'll see. I have no idea what's coming. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and kick it off. And my number five is going to be Money in the Bank. Um, I picked Money in the Bank here. It used to be one of my most favorite gimmick matches because uh, whenever it actually debuted, it was a gimmick match at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they've actually taken it and turned it into an entire pay-per-view, which for me lessens the impact on it. Um, but it's still a fun enough event for me to be able to say that I would pick it number five. Okay. Uh, for my number five, I had Helena Cell, and I feel the same way about Helena Cell as you do with the Money in the Bank ladder match. I feel like it's lost a lot of its luster lately, um, especially with there being the pay-per-view every year and they're guaranteed two matches inside the Hell in a Cell. I feel like Hell in a Cell should be a special occasion. It should be something that ends a long and just brutal feud, such as Triple H and The Undertaker at WrestleMania a couple of years ago, stuff like that. That's the kind of matches that should be in a Hell in a Cell, not just, you know, trying to remember back is randy orton and drew mcintyre i at that point i don't think it deserved a hell in a cell match i agree yep and it's just i feel like every year they feel like oh well we have to put someone inside the cell and sometimes it just leads to lackluster matches and also they just don't take the kind of chances they used to and i mean i'm all for safety don't get me wrong but it kind of lessens the attraction of hell in a cell okay yeah, I mean, some great points. And honestly, um, a really good segue into my number four. Um, I went with Hell in a Cell for my number four. Um, same with some of the really um, more important reasons that you just listed off, but a lot of the echoing points for Money in the Bank for me. Um, Hell in a Cell to me should be like, as Sim said, one of the top feud ending matches. But yeah. yeah. So what's your number four? 
my number four is War Games. Um, you know, in I was never a big WCW guy, but um, since NXT has brought it back, I have went back and watched the old War Games matches. I think it's a very, it's almost like Survivor Series, but in a double ring cage, and you just beat the hell out of each other. And there's been so many different variations, and that keeps it fresh, in my opinion. And uh, yeah, and it's something that they don't, I don't feel like, what I've said about Hell in a Cell, you could say, well, War Games is a pay-per-view every year too. Yes, but they build to it because NXT is good at building feuds, whereas Raw and SmackDown suck at it. Yeah. <laughs> and there's only two. You know, What's that? There's only two. Yeah. That's a really big thing for me. Uh, but good. Um, I'm going to go into my number third. Uh, my number three, rather. Apologies. <laughs> my third selection um, is actually going to be Elimination Chamber. Oh, my God. I forgot Elimination Chamber. So, <laughs> one of the same reasons that I just listed off for Money in the Bank, Hell in a Cell. Except... Um, <laughs> They just more recently turned it into its own pay-per-view because it debuted it debuted in Survivor Series, didn't it, if I remember correctly? And then turned on turned into New Year's Resolution. If you remember Okay. So I it was I think it was Survivor Series, but for some reason I'm also thinking SummerSlam. I'm looking it up, but go, continue with your thoughts while I... Oh, no, but, I mean, uh, the same reason. Um, the only difference is I think they do two of them as well. You know, they have... Yeah, out a it was Survivor. What it my, was Survivor Series. One of the favorite things that they did, um, the tag team elimination chamber is still something I look back fondly on. That was a hell of a match because the New Day is just incredible. Um the Usos were in that match. I think Lucha House Party was in that match. I even think the bar was around whenever they did that, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. But, the bar? I, I missed the bar. Yeah, I missed the bar, too. But I am excited because it seems like they're getting ready to build up to a Sheamus, Drew McIntyre feud, which I'm all here for. Yeah, I think that's going to be – I think that's going to be Drew's um, Royal Rumble feud. Yeah, probably. What's your number three? Uh, my number three is the Iron Man match. Um, take all the reason, all the things we've said about the matches before, and then they should be for special occasions. And that's what an Iron Man match is. They're very rare. They don't happen that often. And in order to pull off a successful Iron Man match, you have to have two guys that can work their asses off which I think is why they are so rare. And when they do happen, they're great. I have never seen a bad Iron Man match. Um, the most recent one, of course, being the Fatal 4-Way, which is was a new twist on the Iron Man match that I, I have never heard of or seen anyone else do in NXT with uh, Champa, Finn, Adam Cole, and Johnny Gargano, I believe. You know it. Oh. Uh, and that was a really fun match. Um, of course, you think um, Brett and Sean back in the day. Uh, Kurt, I remember Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar. No, it wasn't Brock Lesnar. Or was it Brock Lesnar? No, it Kurt wasn't. Angle. 
And it was, it was bro. SmackDown. It was like, yeah, it was on SmackDown. I remember that distinctly. I remember watching that. I remember who it was against, but I remembered it was Kurt, and I remembered it was on SmackDown. But yeah, and it's just, you know, the rarity of it makes it that much cooler. And I'm a guy that likes good wrestling. So, and they're not going to put a bad wrestler in a 60 man and Iron Man match. No. Also, Sasha and Bailey at NXT Brooklyn 2 kind of put them on the map. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Okay. Uh, my number two in honor of tonight is War Games. Um, you know, a, a little bit different than you. I'm, I'm more well-versed in WCW. I, I have fond memories of my dad and I. Back in the day, before you guys had DVR and all that other stuff, man, we used to have VCRs, and my mom would feverishly try to flip back and forth to record both WWE. <laughs> At the time, WWF Raw and WCW Nitro. Um, so my dad could watch it whenever he got off work and we could watch it together. But, you know, War Games is something that's very special for me. I think it's one of those once-a-year things that I really look forward to. NXT's version is a little bit different um, as they have no top, uh, which I am bummed about because I think it's more fun of a match when they have a top. Um, but dating back the whole way to whenever the four, four horsemen took out and the Dangerous Alliance with Sting and and Paulie Dangerous. Um, and fast forwarding to now to where we have the Undisputed Era for their second year in a row. Um, uh, is it the third year, actually? The Undisputed Era has been in every men's well, there you war go. games match that yeah. NXT has had. <laughs> um, fast forwarding to really the Undisputed Era making it a legacy for them. Uh, very similar to what the Horsemen did with WCW. You know, the Horseman versus Dusty, and then you had the Natural, Dustin Rhodes, and stuff like that. Um, a lot of really good memories watching those with my old man back in the day and re-watching them on the WWE Network. Um, so I, it's one of my favorites, and I'm super glad that Triple H, you know, say what you may about copyrights and legacies and things like that, uh, but business is business at the end of the day, and the fact that they had the ability to bring it back for fans and modernize it is a lot of fun for me. Uh, and one of the big reasons why I look forward to this event every year. So War Games is number two for me. Man, after hearing your two through five, I'm almost certain we had the same number one. But we'll get there. Uh, my number two is ladder matches in general. I kind of – I didn't go specific as you did with the money in the bank. So I kind of group in TLC – uh ladder matches and just like general ladder matches uh money in the bank i'm I'm gonna throw a challenge flag on that one. Oh my god okay fine that's fine i'm <laughs> gonna go <laughs> ladder matches is fine i can go straight tlc matches if, it was really if hard i had to choose tlc on my list dude it was because really my favorite match at all time of all time and the match that firmly secured my lifelong adoration for wrestling was the Hardys versus the Dudleys versus Ed and Christian and the latter the first well all of all of their TLC matches were spectacular but when Edge speared Jeff Hardy out of midair that was the moment where I knew I was a wrestling fan for the rest of my life yep. and I will never forget that and there's been so many good ladder matches even dating back to uh, Razor Ramon and Sean for the Intercontinental title at WrestleMania and 
there's just countless that I can name off the top of my head that have been fantastic. And it's, it always delivers. I can't remember a bad ladder match. Even El Torito versus Hornswoggle in the WLC match. Oh, my God. That it was, was good. So funny. It was a good match. Yeah. You know, one thing that I think, I think we all kind of fall into the trap of um, saying, like, Shawn Michaels versus Razor uh, Ramon. But, man, to you and to any listeners, you're probably well-versed in this match. But if you go back and you watch The Rock versus Triple H at SummerSlam for the Intercontinental mm-hmm. title, they were in a ladder match. That yeah. is as good, if not better, than Michaels and Ramon. I agree. I just feel like the Michaels and Ramon match being at WrestleMania, and it's just more iconic, I would say. I wouldn't say it's a better match. Oh, yeah. but I, I can definitely agree with more iconic. But, yeah, cool. All right, number one, I think um, it should be pretty obvious. You know, we've name-dropped it a couple times during the podcast. Um, it's coming soon to a January near you. It kind of yeah. signifies the road to WrestleMania for all of us. Um, I know I look forward to it, mostly because it's a fun event, but there's numerous drinking events that you can do to it. <laughs> yes. But it kind of begins, I don't know, for me – And I think Sims 2, it kind of starts me getting really back into wrestling again. It's kind of like that first Thursday night game for the NFL season. And we're back on the road to WrestleMania. It's time to tune back in and see what they got for us from Royal Rumble to SummerSlam kind of thing. Um, And, I mean, I I was right. We do have the same number one. It was kind of obvious that was going to happen. But I like that you brought football into it because – it's that perfect time where football is coming to an end. I think usually it's the Sunday. The Royal Rumble is typically the Sunday before the Super Bowl. So it's the week between the AFC-NFC championship game and the Super Bowl. Um, so there's nothing else on that day. There's no football. There's no anything like that. You watch the Royal Rumble. There's no more Monday night football or Thursday night football or whatever. From then on, it's wrestling. Obviously, there's other sports you can watch, and I do. But my main focus from Royal Rumble to WrestleMania is wrestling. And that it kind of kicks off that season where wrestling is the number one sport. And not saying that I don't take wrestling over football. I haven't watched a Monday night football game this year. And I'll change when the Steelers play on Monday night in two weeks. But that's besides the point. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it just really kicks into high gear that WrestleMania season. There's been so many good moments, so many good winners. Um, so since we both had the same number one, let me ask you this, who, what winner or what Royal Rumble would you say was your favorite? What your favorite Royal Rumble performance? That's how I'll put it. Mm. I only ask that because I have one off the top of my head. (laughs) I don't know if I have a favorite performance, but I can tell you one of my favorite moments over the last probably 10 years, and I've watched it a couple times leading up to it um, over the past couple weeks, but John Cena coming back at Madison Square Garden at number 30. Yeah. That that pop, oh my God, man. I I cannot get enough of that. And I think a little bit has to do because we don't have fans right now, right? But that pop hit and like everybody's like, man, fuck it. He does it for, for the crowd was great. 
but I love the long-term storytelling that they did with Undertaker and Shawn Michaels leading up to their WrestleMania feud. It was like, I've watched a couple over the last couple weeks and um, them coming out and kind of, I, I think it was over a two year span that they told the story and then it culminated with Undertaker and Sean at WrestleMania, which was really cool. So my favorite performance, uh, I have a favorite moment too. And I, I, you, if you don't know what that is, I'd be highly disappointed. But my favorite performance ever was 2006 with Rey Mysterio going the distance and winning. Um, it was the death of Eddie was pretty fresh at that point and just the performance that he put on and then winning, going on to win the world title at WrestleMania is pretty special. And it's, it's always cool to see somebody, you know, the distance starting in the first two and winning. Um, favorite moment is Edge returning this year because Edge is my guy. Uh, I, I'm not afraid to admit that I cried when his music hit. Um, I knew it was coming. I didn't know what number it would be. But I knew it was coming, and it still just completely rocked me. I never thought I'd see him in the ring again. And when he came out and he was standing in the, standing on the ramp, and you could see in his face that he was fighting back tears, I was like, fuck it, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> Man, it's hard. You know what's really hard to believe about that? That was a year ago. That was No, that was this year. That, that's the hardest for me. <laughs> You like realize like wow that was still twenty twenty, fucking twenty twenty. Am I right? <laughs> you got it. All right. Well, um, we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, listening. If you stuck with us this long, we really appreciate it. Um, one last shout out. Pretty big moment for Sims and I over this past weekend. Um, we hit five hundred followers on our Twitter um, at Sims Gets It. And just wanted to say thank you to everybody that's been supporting us over this journey. Um, we're going to get more consistent with content. And if you have any comments, suggestions, anything that you would like to hear us talk about or anything like that, drop us a DM. Our DMs are open. We'll be happy to hear it. And if it's good enough for us, we'll discuss it. So Also, on Spotify and iTunes, you have the option to rate um, and leave reviews. I I know personally that we will read those. Um, so any input is obviously great because um, at the end of the day, you know, we do this for people to enjoy listening to us talk about wrestling and sharing our passion with us. So uh, your input is definitely something that we will take into account. All right. And lastly, but not least, we hate to be those guys, but don't forget to hit that subscribe button wherever you may listen to podcasts, as he's mentioned before, with Apple uh, Podcasts and Spotify. If you go to our Twitter, you can find our links there. Um, peace. Peace.